Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. The flu season is in full swing and the viruses circulating right now can be severe for children and vulnerable adults. BC health officials say it's begun earlier than usual and all British Columbians should get their vaccination. Richard Zussman has more. Arriving early and packing a punch. Much more than, than COVID, influenza can cause more severe illness in children, especially young children. Flu cases have been climbing across BC, cases up tenfold in the last six weeks, and especially concerning in children, where the surge has gone from just 10 confirmed cases October 23rd to 71 during the last reporting period. They're starting to see and hear more about severe cases of influenza and in some cases complications from influenza. There are more children now who have not been exposed to the flu for almost three years and have little natural immunity. Flu in kids can also lead to secondary bacterial infections causing very severe pneumonia. And vaccination levels are low. 21% from 6-month to 4-year-olds, 20% from 5-year-old to 11-year-olds, and just 15% from 12 to 17 years of age. Strongly encourage all parents to get their children vaccinated against influenza this year. Getting vaccinated, of course, also helps reduce the load on our healthcare workers and our healthcare system. The one change the province is making Families with anyone under the age of four who are not already registered for a vaccine will be contacted directly by the province to get registered and get booked in. This is, uh, you know, a much more direct and targeted uh, response to parents of the very smallest children. But experts are concerned this push is coming too late, considering the vaccine takes a few weeks to work. This vaccine blitz came too late. It should have happened September, October. This approach isn't resulting in, in, in decreasing the pressures on the ERs, on the children's hospitals. With the blitz now on, the province aiming to deliver vaccines and avoid the flu being delivered at holiday gatherings across the province. Thumbs up. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Faldry joins us now with more. Keith, you heard Sonia first to know there. Uh, talk about the pressure this is putting on our hospitals. There has been quite a spike mm -hmm. in ER visits. Indeed. In fact, uh, not just the flu when it comes to young people is the concern. There's also RSV. You've got COVID continuing to uh, circulate in the community, pneumonia and such. So the number of young people in particular who are visiting ERs, health clinics, doctor's offices, reporting acute respiratory uh, symptoms is increasing. Here's the numbers from uh, November and October. Just take a look at the young groups here. Zero four, 24% of all interactions in the healthcare system in, uh, last week in November uh, were uh, resulting from uh, 
auto acute respiratory infections. That's up from 16% in October. Same story for other age groups, 5 to 9, 26%, up from 15%. Teenagers, young teenagers, 21%, almost tripling from 8% in October. As you mentioned, Chris, a number of these are the result of visits to the emergency rooms uh, across the province, not just Children's Hospital. Health Minister Adrian Dix talking the numbers of uh, ER visits in recent weeks. We've seen an increase uh, in emergency room visits, particularly in the Provincial Health Services Authority, we're talking about BC Children's, and in the Fraser Health Authority. Over the last month, we've gone roughly in terms of emergency room visits, if you take September and October and compare it to November through December 2nd, we've gone from about 6,700 emergency room visits um, a day to between 6,800 and 6,900. And that is increase reflects those increases, especially at BC Children's and in the Fraser Health Authority. Now, unfortunately, these numbers are likely to continue to go up, Chris. You can get all that data on the BC Centre for Disease Control website. It's updated weekly. And we're not at the beginning of the respiratory uh, ailment season. We're not at the end of it either. We're still going a number of weeks ahead of us on this. So, unfortunately, the statistics, like I just showed you, are continually expected to continually to climb through the holiday season. Troubling for sure, but again, the shots can help. So yep. hopefully that spurs people to get that done. Thanks very much, Keith. A coroner's jury is hearing how a system meant to help Indigenous youth had no Indigenous staff and had difficulty establishing links with Indigenous communities. Those revelations are emerging at the inquest into the death of Trayvon Desjardins, who died by suicide in September of 2020. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. On the stand Monday, Caleb Reardon, Trayvon Desjardins' counsellor between 2019 and his death in 2020. The counsellor detailed weekly appointments with a teenager who was reluctant to open up, who had trust issues, and who was self-medicating with cannabis. The counsellor noticed a considerable deterioration in Trayvon's cognition over the course of their time together. It became obvious the 17-year-old had stopped taking his medication. The weekly appointments stopped in March of 2020 because of COVID, Reardon testifying he went three months without seeing his client. And during the summer of 2020, Desjardins became quite agitated, as evidenced by the damage he caused in his room at the group home. Trayvon would often talk of self-harm, but Reardon didn't associate that with suicidal ideation, but instead with a general sense of anger and frustration. At one point, the 17-year-old asked him, what if I hurt myself? Would anyone care? Reardon testifying, he assured the young man there were plenty of people who did and offered strategies to work through his waves of emotion. Reardon also testified about a chronic staff shortage at the Aboriginal Children Youth Mental Health Services and a lack of culturally appropriate treatment. There were no Indigenous counsellors on staff in 2020 and almost no access to elders in the community as touch points. This was an ongoing problem across the spectrum of care. Reese Family Services Director of Operations, Donna Pittman, testifying Monday afternoon that the service provider operates eight group homes, six of which focus on Indigenous youth. And as far as she can recollect, there are no Indigenous foster parents. More questions about why Trayvon Desjardins' body wasn't discovered for four days. According to Pittman, ministry policy in 2020 didn't allow staff to enter the rooms of clients except in extreme circumstances. That policy has since been changed. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
It could be another challenging winter commute tomorrow morning. We want to emphasize could, although a special weather statement, a warning of potential for snow is out. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us uh, with where we could see it. And again, these things are tough to call, right, Christy? Yeah, so the precipitation is going to develop through the morning hours. So that's why it could have an impact on the morning commute. And what we're calling for is not only a risk of freezing drizzle, so icy conditions on the roads, but the possibility of spotty light snow. Now, for most areas across western metro Vancouver and southern regions and Vancouver Island, including the Malahat, we're talking about zero to five centimeters. And then in the afternoon, it's going to warm up and transition to rain. But northeast metro Vancouver, including Maple Ridge through the Fraser Valley, could see far more as the temperatures sort of stay uh, close to that freezing mark so the potential for snow may linger longer into the day and then it may transition back to snowfall at night. So if you're headed out to the Fraser Valley or East Metro Vancouver, even the afternoon commute could be impacted. Chris, back to you. All right, Christy, thanks very much. Fantasy versus reality on your next home assessment. With a decline in the housing market, the 2023 property assessments might be wildly overblown why they could be so wrong, and how it could impact what you pay in property taxes. Next on the News Hour. Sing, sing a song. Remembering Bob McGrath, the Sesame Street icon who dedicated his life to children and to charity right here in BC, coming up a little later. And Canadian hockey icon Kerry Price posts his feelings about gun control, the variety of reactions coming up later. Right now though, don't be surprised if the assessed value of your property is up this year, even if the market is tanking. That's the message from BC's Property Assessment Agency ahead of next month's updated home valuations. Catherine Urquhart has more on why property values are rising despite a cooling real estate market and what that means for your taxes. Your home's value is likely down substantially these days. On average, prices are off about 15% from the peak of the market earlier this year. But brace yourself. BC Assessment says you can expect your on-paper property value to go up. This year, most uh, residential property owners in BC will notice that their assessments are up typically in the range of uh, about 5 to 15%. That official jump is due to the fact assessments were done July 1st, before prices really started to fall. So what will that mean for your taxes? I think it's definitely going to depend on, on what this, you know, the city does with their mill rate as well to sort of see how much that's going to impact the, the increase in value. Of course, homeowners always have the option to challenge their assessment by filing an appeal. I think people are definitely going to be frustrated and looking for ways to sort of cut back and save money. So I think you'll actually see uh, a fair amount of disputes uh, this year. So each year, the deadline to file an assessment appeal is January 31st. Information about appealing will be on your assessment. And for all those frustrated homeowners, there is next year. Moving forward, I think it's reasonable to expect that the following year you'll probably see lower assessments because this correction has been relatively significant and I think there's probably a bit more room to go on that as well. You can expect your property assessment to arrive in the mail in early January. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, it's been very controversial since the summer of 2020. Tonight, the Vancouver Park Board will be voting on the future of what is now a temporary Stanley Park bike lane. 
Our Ramada Gahi joins us live with more on the vote. And Ahmad, there are strong opinions on this on either side of the debate. So what's expected to happen tonight? That's right. That anticipation and controversy has been building leading up to tonight and this decision pretty much ever since the last uh, couple days after the election when a member of the ABC Vancouver majority was a guest on CKW and mentioned one of their top priorities would be to remove that temporary bike lane from Stanley Park. And tonight they're set to instruct staff to do just that. So there are two parts to this decision tonight. The park board's plan is to remove the temporary bike lane before the peak holiday season and secondly to instruct city engineers to come up with a strategy for a permanent cycling infrastructure project in the park with better considerations for people with disabilities tour buses and other modes of transportation of uh, the park board would like this work done by the end of February but cycling advocates as you mentioned have been uh, protesting this decision asking the park board to keep in place its temporary bike lanes until uh, pr that permanent infrastructure is ready now despite the pushback from advocates the vote tonight is considered to be imminent. ABC Vancouver has all but one vote on Park Board and their argument is that they campaigned on removing those orange pylons from Stanley Park Drive and they are just fulfilling their mandate tonight. Chris. All right, thanks very much, Ahmad. We'll see how it all goes and watch for coverage on the news at 11 tonight. Just ahead, a holiday flip-flop. How liquor stores banned Salvation Army kettles from their stores but then quickly backtracked. Also stolen Christmas, seniors hit by heartless thieves, but they refuse to let it spoil the season. Extra busy over here to and from the Portman Bridge both ways because the HOV lanes are closed for winter maintenance. This is eastbound traffic through Coquitlam, just bumper to bumper. Through a charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway One in Coquitlam. If you were hoping for a break from food inflation next year, it doesn't seem to be in the cards. Canada's 2023 food price report says another hefty increase is on the way, particularly in the first half of the year. With vegetable prices rising up to 8% and meat 5 to 7%, it means for a typical family of four, you can expect to shell out more than $16,000 next year just for food. We expect a 6 to 8% increase uh, in vegetable prices for next year. Uh, I th we think that the, 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 the droughts and uh, contamination issues that we've seen in Western, Western USA to, will continue. Uh, and particularly over the next few months as we go through the winter time where we have to rely on uh, the majority of our project product being from imports and, and from that part of the world. There is apparently a little bit of good news on the horizon. The report says the economy is slowing and supply chains are starting to settle down. That means food prices could lower a bit about six months from now. The bells from the Salvation Army had fallen silent outside liquor stores, but they are back. The charity learned they can return to BC liquor stores after being told a business decision was made to end that 30-year tenure. Global's Krista Dow has more on the reversal and what it means for the charity's fundraising efforts.
Happy holidays. It's something of an unofficial holiday tradition. You listen to the, the you know, for the sound of the familiar bells ringing and um, you know exactly what it is and, and what it's for. The unmistakable sounds of the Salvation Army kettle campaign. Kettles are found in about 2,000 locations across Canada at grocery stores, shopping malls, and at BC liquor stores. A long standing tradition of more than 30 years until last week. We're disappointed. You know, um, BC Liquor has been a longtime partner and, and a valued partner with us for our, for our kettle campaign. With the, you know, inflation as it is, with the cost of living as it is, the need is so great right now. At the time, BC Liquor said its stores were already running donation campaigns for food banks BC and Share a Bear. And a third charity wasn't allowed as to not overwhelm its customers. The decision making no sense to shoppers. Charities like this, every, every business should be open to them. Somebody's getting bumped out, so it just, for me, it doesn't seem fair. Big change, big disappointment, really, and, and uh, the last minute nature, what it feels like, is uh, really arbitrary. Customers, uh, I'm sure, can figure out where they would like to donate their dollars or not. But then late Monday afternoon, a change of heart. BC Liquor reversing course on the ban. I heard, just as you heard, that they had changed their direction, and that's really up to them. The change, it says, due to the short notice and potential hardship so late in the season. Welcome news for the Salvation Army. And you said that came from BC Liquor? Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> We're happy to see that things have, uh, have changed course. More than $4 million was raised during the Kettle campaign last year, and the charity hoping Canadians will continue to give at all of their locations. Krista Dow, Global News. So many ways to give, too, because now the largest hamper drive of its kind in the Lower Mainland is giving some single moms some much-needed help during the holidays. The Cause We Care hamper drive is back for its 16th year. Volunteers busy preparing 1,200 holiday care packages. Each backpack contains a $100 grocery gift card along with sweet treats and some warm winter accessories. They'll be delivered tomorrow to frontline organizations that have identified single mother-led families in need. Organizers say the rising cost of living has them more determined than ever to ease that holiday pressure. These families work so hard just to make it work. And uh, knowing that they're under these pressures that, that we're experiencing this year is, is really heartbreaking. So we really want to make sure that we reach as many families as possible with this little show of support. I understand that feeling that you want to provide your children with opportunities and want this time of year to be really special for you. And I can appreciate that that isn't always an easy thing for the single moms to do. And you might spot Sophie doing her part in that video right there. Cause We Care is also accepting cash donations. Each care package is worth roughly $250. So you can visit their website, causewecare.org, for more information on how to give. Well done, Sophie. Well, Christmas Grinch has ruined a holiday tradition for an elderly couple in Vancouver. Many of their elaborate Christmas decorations have been stolen right out of their front yard. Grace Key reports. 83-year-old John Angelopoulos wasn't going to let a heart attack stop him from putting up the Christmas decorations, determined to brighten the holidays for his wife Nikki of more than 50 years. I love it. I love it. That's why I do that. I, I love the, the small kids come every night here. They took the picture. They are so happy. 
can't look now. I cry every day. While the family was sleeping, someone crept through their yard on the 2900 block of West 10th Avenue in Kitsilano in the early morning hours of Monday, November 28th, and stole most of their decorations. When I wake up in the morning, my granddaughter say, yeah, yeah, grandma, come to see what's happened outside. And I was looking outside, it's disgusted. I'm so upset. How dare you ruin my mother's Christmas, who's 81 years old? who hasn't had an easy year this year. And for this to happen, it's terrible. Terrible. They made a police report, but aren't hopeful they'll ever get their decorations back. Nikki is determined not to let this ruin, a family tradition she's built up over the years. No, I keep going. I ordered already. They, every day they come from Amazon. He was so upset for his wife more than anything because it's her thing. She looks forward to it. And so the first thing he said, order more now. I'm not stopping. I can do it. It's okay. It doesn't matter if they do this again, I can do the same again. I never stop. John isn't stopping either. He'll be back in the yard to continue this labor of love for his wife. Grace Key, Global News. Just ahead, human rights protesters paying the ultimate price. And the trial for him and his wife just took few moments. What a BC-based journalist is learning about the cruel punishment handed out in Iran. And critics fire back at NHL goalie Kerry Price for his post about gun control. A busy but steady commute here tonight in both directions at the Alex Fraser Bridge with just some leftover volume as usual eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Contact Integra Tire today for great deals on GT radial tires like the Adventuro AT3, perfect for light truck and SUV owners. Integra Tire, truly local. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Nationwide protests continue across Iran, sparked by the death of a young woman while in the custody of the country's morality police. And there is more evidence tonight of the ruthlessness of the government crackdown. As Nagar Mojtahiri reports, many people are now facing execution for fighting for human rights. At least 28 people could face execution in Iran in connection with the ongoing protests. Among them, Farzana and Hamid Qadeh Hassanlu, the husband and wife facing a sham trial on the charge of corruption on earth, punishable by death. The couple were attending the 40th day anniversary marking the death of protester Hadis Najafi in the city of Karaj near Tehran in November. Hadis became another symbol of the freedom movement in Iran. After videos surfaced of Hadis tying her hair during an anti-regime protest on September 21st, she was reportedly shot dead by security forces. He has been arrested with his wife. Kamran Malikpour, now living on the North Shore, is an investigative reporter from Iran. Emotionally, it's something that you feel very, very sad for them, especially when you see that they are innocent people. He's following the Qara Hassanlu case closely and is in direct contact with her family in Iran, learning chilling exclusive details and sharing exclusive photos with Global News. Four of his ribs were broken and uh, he is suffering from internal bleeding right now. While he was in a hospital, they take him to the courtroom and uh, to confess what, what they want, even though he didn't do the confession. And the trial for him 
and his wife just took few moments. Dr. Qara Hassanlu, a high-profile radiologist, and his wife, Farzaneh, are both philanthropists, building three schools for the poor in southern Iran. That's devastating. Um, we cannot believe it. Dr. Human Husseini Nick, an Ontario interventional radiologist, attended residency with Dr. Qara Hassanlu in Iran. They are close friends. We, uh, residents are family. So even during residency, we are closer to each other than our family. That is the kind of friendship that stays forever. Both men are making a plea for help to save the couple's life. We need uh, world community support to put pressure on Iran, on Islamic Republic, I would say, not Iran, uh, to prevent uh, these uh, brutality, oppressions and injustice. I think without any voice or without any reaction from the People around the world, Dr. Garasan will get uh, this sentence. Negar Moshehadi, Global News. A man is facing firearms charges after allegedly shooting a gun multiple times inside a Vancouver apartment building. On Sunday night, just after 7 p.m., more than three dozen BPD officers responded to a building near Main and Alexander Streets. Police say a man in his 50s began firing rounds inside. Residents evacuated the building. And after about 90 minutes, police say the man exited the apartment with a loaded gun and a knife. He suffered minor injuries after police shot him with a less lethal Arwen round before arresting him. No one else was hurt. Montreal Canadiens superstar goalie Carey Price has spoken out against the current gun control debate in Ottawa. His Instagram post has created quite the reaction. And as Gloria Enriquez reports, it comes right in the midst of commemoration ceremonies for one of Canada's worst mass shootings. Kerry Price is known for being a man of few words, but the few words he shared on this Instagram post are creating plenty of reaction. Price saying in part, I'm not a criminal or a threat to society. What Justin Trudeau is trying to do is unjust. I support the Canadian Coalition for Firearms rights to keep my hunting tools. The picture depicts Price with a hunting rifle. The post went up Saturday. Just a few days before the 33rd anniversary of the Polytechnique massacre, one of Canada's worst mass shootings. I think his comment just add confusion to a very complex debate. So I'm very sad that he did it because he's a real Canadian symbol and people love him and believe in this guy. Provost says the publication suggests that those in favor of gun control are against hunting. We are for a better control and what we want is safety for all Canadian and Assad-style weapons are extremely dangerous. In late November, the Liberal government proposed an amendment to Bill C-21 that defines an assault weapon. Bill C-21 is the government's gun control bill. The proposal is currently being studied by the House of Commons Public Safety Committee. It builds on a regulatory ban of more than 1,500 models of what the government considers assault firearms. Critics disagree with the definition. La définition proposée est tellement large qu'elle ouvre la porte à ce que plusieurs modèles d'armes à feu semi-automatiques soient visés par cet amendement-là. Donc, c'est vraiment dans ce sens-là que les armes de chasse sont touchées. Our main object has been consistent and clear all along, which is that we are not targeting law-abiding gun owners, but rather those AR-15-style guns which have been used in some of the worst uh, shooting tragedies in the country's history, including at Polytechnique. As for Price, the head of the Habs organization told Radio-Canada he wasn't aware the Polytechnique shooting had happened. 
Gloria Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. Some breaking news to tell you right now. Two-time Emmy winner Kirstie Alley has died after a short battle with cancer. Alley starred in the 1980s sitcom Cheers and the hit movie Look Who's Talking, among many other acting credits. The 71-year-old's children announced her death on social media and it was confirmed later by her manager. Alley's children say, quote, as iconic as she was on screen, she was an even more amazing mother and grandmother. Kirstie Alley, dead at the age of 71. Public health officials on Vancouver Island are warning about a rarely seen spike in a bacterial disease that's spreading among the homeless population. As Kylie Stanton shows us, it's now infected eight people and claimed one life. Anyone experiencing homelessness is living in survival mode, concerned about how they're going to get that next meal and where they're going to sleep that night. But now the island's unhoused population has a whole new problem to deal with. Haemophilus influenza type B is a bacterium, and we have seen it in three communities, Victoria, Nanaimo, and Parksville, among individuals who are experiencing either homelessness or poor, unstable housing. Island Health warning of a sharp spike in cases of the rare bacterial disease affecting people in their 20s to their 70s. Since late last year, eight have been confirmed in the lab and one person has died. We expect to see one or no such infections in Island Health in a calendar year. We tend to see less than three in the entire province in a calendar year. Better known as Hib, the infection usually starts with a fever, vomiting, fatigue, confusion, headache and stiff muscles and can cause serious life-threatening infections in people with underlying health conditions, including meningitis. It's spread through respiratory droplets in the nose and throat by coughing or sneezing. But close contact and the sharing of cigarettes, joints, food, drink or utensils are of particular concern for the community. It's definitely on our radar by going out, giving them clothing, keeping them fed, dry socks. We did set up a vaccination clinic, you know, with Island Health. A lot of times with vaccinations, um, you have to do it several times just for that word of mouth to spread. Universal vaccinations for Hib began back in 1986. So many adults may not have been protected or their immunity has waned. But Island Health says it's doing everything necessary to address the outbreak in the affected community and the risk otherwise remains very low. There is no concern for the general population at this time. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Just ahead, remembering the magic of Bob McGrath. All that's left for you to do is to call. His career entertaining and enlightening kids and his connection to BC coming up. And new sensors installed in the Okanagan, what they can detect and how it'll protect the community coming up. Join Global News Morning live from the Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and make Christmas a little brighter for families in need. In partnership with Fortis BC, investing in energy for a better BC. The city of Vernon is stepping up its fire protection by installing some early wildfire detectors. The sensors are going up near Ellison Provincial Park. They're installed high up in the trees, about four meters off the ground. They're the brainchild of a Vancouver company designed to collect environmental information, including gases in the air. 
Computers then look for signs that a fire might be burning nearby and figure out whether it's a campfire or a life-threatening forest fire. Our system is using the machine learning and artificial intelligence, and it can understand the pattern from the wildfire or the campfire. So then we can distinguish these two. When we looked at it, uh, we want to go into the more, more of our high-risk areas. That would be the Sunset Properties along East Side Road, that area along uh, to the Predator Ridge area. Uh, it's our densest uh, inter interface area, so that would be our priority. 20 sensors in all are being installed this week to cover about 1,500 hectares as part of a two-year pilot project. A second phase is planned next month to expand fire protection around Vernon as well. Wildfire season lasted well into November with dry conditions this year. So uh, mm -hmm. good to see some extra protection out there in the Vernon area. Let's take another look at the weather forecast and who's getting hit with some of that wet snow, Christy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're right. And the wildfire season seemed to last so long. It was, we had an extended summer and then we went right into winter, didn't we? Uh, so the potential is there for snowfall again tomorrow morning. It will develop through the morning hours, be very spotty. And we have a risk of freezing rain and light snowfall. These are the afternoon hour temperatures. So I just wanted to show you, we're talking about two, three degrees across these western sections, but out through east metro Vancouver and Fraser Valley, it stays colder. And so although we're expecting a transition to rainfall across the western regions, we may not see that transition occur very quickly across these eastern sections. So there's the potential for 5 to 10 in those areas where, as those western areas, we're talking about 0 to 5. So the morning commute could be impacted with that risk of freezing rain and then the afternoon commute potentially in these areas. So a heads up for all of you there. We're talking about Maple Ridge out through the Fraser Valley area. All right, so here's the timeline. Significant snow through the Columbia Kootenai region pushing up into the BC Peace River area as well. We are are going to see just a little bit of instability and that's why the precipitation will be so spotty and so it develops through the morning hours and lingers through much of the day and it doesn't dissipate until sort of the overnight hours Tuesday into our Wednesday morning and that's another reason why those Fraser Valley regions have the potential for snowfall uh, even into the overnight hours. So there's your forecast snowfall for 5 to 10 centimeters for the Columbia, the Kootenai region as well a risk of freezing rain in South Vancouver Island, Metro Vancouver for Fraser Valley through the morning hours with light patchy snowfall transitioning to rainfall across western sections as you warm up to two or three degrees but likely continuing as snowfall for the central and east Fraser Valley region at the very least. We are expecting to warm up on Wednesday with periods of rain but the next potential for snowfall is on Thursday. Here's tonight's central windows weather window. We had quite a bit of fog this morning. If you didn't hear the foghorns this is a shot looking out from New Westminster. Thank you to Torsten for that. That is a very cool photo. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. And mm -hmm. we'll bring Squire in now for a look ahead to what's coming up in sports. Okay, so one of the most popular Canucks amongst his teammates is defenseman Luke Shen. I mean, he's, a, he's the rock. I mean, he's a, uh, the voice of stability and, and reason back there. It's a two-time Stanley Cup winner who resurrected his career when a lot of people thought it was done. Look forward to learning more about that. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, remembering the great Bob McGrath, the children's entertainer who was, in real life, exactly as kind and friendly as you'd expect him to be. That's coming up later. All right.
Squires here with sports. Uh, game night tonight. Yes, the Montreal in town. Mm. That always means a very excitable crowd. Not always for the home team. <laughs> True. It's like when the Leafs show up. Okay. The uh, Canucks needed overtime on Saturday to beat, well, let's face it, a bad Arizona Coyotes team, which means Vancouver needs to be better tonight against a Montreal team that is not great by any stretch of the imagination, but it is better than Arizona for sure. The Canucks, of course, have been shapeshifters all season. You never know what team you're going to get, not just from game to game, but from period to period. You know, if we want to be a consistent winning team, we gotta we got to come to play every single night and, and can't take a, a night off. And um, we're going against a team that's playing some really good hockey as of late and, and is fast and, and has a lot of skill up front. And uh, we got to be ready for that tonight. We, we've set a standard, I think, that sometimes we don't meet, uh, but we're, we try to meet it every day. And uh, uh, I think as the season goes on, you'll find that we are meeting these standards that we've put amongst for ourselves. Uh, more and more as we have I think you know we've had a better November than we did October we're going to hopefully have a better December than we did November and we just keep getting better. The uh, strange saga of Brock Besser doesn't seem to be over yet he was supposed to be a healthy scratch in that game against Arizona instead he got the play because Dakota Joshua got hurt and then he scored a goal. Now, there are rumors the Canucks have told his agent he's free to ask teams if they want to trade for him. Clearly, the Canucks management has also tried and failed to move him. But what does Besser think of all of this himself? Yeah, I mean, I've never been through anything like that. Um, to be honest, I'm not worried about it. Uh, you know, I, I've always expressed how much I love it here, and um, I'm only focused on getting a win for our team tonight. Um, you know, we have, I believe that we have a lot of unbelievable hockey players in this locker room and um, you know so that's my only focus is continuing to get better as a team with with these guys and and get get a win. A few years ago it looked like Luke Shen's NHL career was over but he resurrected that career won a couple of Stanley Cups in Tampa Bay and the Canucks are very happy he's back with them again. When you look at the defensemen on the Canucks roster you may not guess that Luke Shen is the highest drafted player in the group selected fifth overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 2008 draft. The game sort of shifted a little bit. There's a lot more you know physical stay at home defensemen when I first got drafted and right after that it's, it seemed like you know teams were kind of looking for uh, you know more smaller skating defensemen. He certainly isn't small. Shen is 6 to 225 pounds and makes his mark by leaving a mark on the opposition. There's going to be challenged to a fight here which didn't last very long. I mean his play speaks for itself physical um, makes a great first pass and he's been contributing offensively too so um, he's a really well well-rounded uh, defenseman for us and you know he's been uh, definitely one of our most consistent D's all year. He's the rock I mean he's a uh, the voice of stability and and reason back there. You know, trying to be the best at what I think my identity is, and kind of probably took me a few years to figure that out. But looking back, um, you know, I, I think the, there's always work to do, and I think I can still improve. But at the same time, there's you know things to obviously be proud of. One of the things he can be proud of is holding the NHL record for most hits by a defenseman. And at age 33, with a few more seasons ahead of him and the game changing the way it has, it's a record he may be holding on to for a while, which is pretty remarkable when you consider his career journey. Well, he's gone through the hard times and the good times all at the same time. I mean, from a fifth overall pick, I think, to being sent to the minors, you know, when he's in his, the height of his age in his career four years ago to winning two Stanley Cups. So um, he, he knows 
he knows how everything works and uh, he takes you know everything in stride but he's he's what I would call a true professional and th those are the kind of guys you like to see from his days in the WHL with the Kelowna Rockets to his 15-year NHL career with seven different teams Shen has always had the reputation of being a hard-working defenseman and while that may not get recognized by the general public it's never overlooked by his team I think we appreciate him quite maybe the most out of anybody and, and um, but I don't think he gets uh, enough credit and where credit is due and um, he's a really special player, special person. One of the things that you know I'm, he's always asked about is he available and, you know and we're always saying no we love him. Round of 16 Brazil South Korea Brazil was having none of an upset they scored four goals by the time of 36 minutes by the time 36 minutes went up on the clock that is brilliant passing a 4-1 victory over South Korea. Uh, Japan and Croatia went to penalty kicks and Dominic Kivakovic stopped three Japanese kicks and Mario Pasalic will finish it off. So Croatia will take on Brazil in the quarterfinals. Croatia always finds a way at the World Cup. They are a great team at the World Cup, but of course, so are the Brazilians. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. When we come back, saying goodbye to one of the good guys in Hollywood. He was quite amazing. Bob McGrath next. Jordan Armstrong is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Chris, as we face the possibility of more flurries this week, Delta's mayor is speaking out about the highway madness of last week. George Harvey has written the transportation minister asking the government review the contract of Main Road, the highway maintenance contractor. You'll recall the Alex Fraser Bridge was impassable Tuesday night. Highway 99 was a mess as well. Some drivers took 8, 10, even 12 hours to get home. At 11, we'll tell you what else Harvey is requesting and how the government is responding. Chris? A lot of people eager to get answers there for sure, yeah. Jordan. All right, thanks very much. Squire's here now, and, uh, you know, we were talking about Bob McGrath and how special he was. He passed away, uh, we found out a couple days ago, but really had a connection to Global and Variety, the children's charity. Well, and for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. he was a big part of the Variety Show of Hearts going way back to the 70s. And, yeah. and if you met him... I will say this in the story, so I don't want to sort of give away the story, but if you met him, you would not be disappointed at all. <laughs> oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? You know that old saying about how you should never meet your heroes because they might disappoint you? Well, that does not apply to Bob McGrath. He was the same person on your street as he was on Sesame Street. And we in BC learned that truth watching him work the Variety Show of Hearts telethon year after year. 50 some odd years of being involved with the Variety Show of Hearts telethon. Bob was the kindest, nicest person that I have ever come across in that industry. You asked him a question, he said yes. I have never seen him, heard him say no. So don't sit on your good intentions. 
Jump to the phone <laughs> right now. Remember, this was a 24-hour telethon in the days. He would work Saturday night, go back to the hotel, come back for 7 a.m. I mean, he gave his all for variety, and we're so grateful for him. And that gratefulness from McGrath extends through generations of people who grew up with him through Sesame Street. He was one of the original real people amongst the Muppets. Good morning, starshine. But before he became famous in North America, he was well known in Japan as a singer who translated old favorites like Danny Boy into Japanese. He was the consummate entertainer, the consummate nice guy, and perfect for what Variety needed and the kids of BC needed as well. He never looked down at the kids. He always got down, hands and knees, or on his knee, looking at the kid face on, straight on. It was just natural for him to be able to interact with, with the kids. He'll be missed. You know, he, he will be missed. What a guy. Amazing. And, and for all of us who worked on that show and got a chance to meet him, oh. as he said, we were not kidding. It's no fake. He was as nice as you thought he would be. The praise is universal. Anybody who ever dealt with him, thanks very much for putting that together. And sayonara, mm -hmm. Bob, I guess, is uh, appropriate given his love of the Japanese. All right. Um, speaking of children, hey, we want to welcome the newest member of our global family. Congratulations, to Justin Burbage and his wife Rebecca on the birth of their new baby girl, Graceland Rebecca Alexandra Burbage. Uh, he works in feeds for us and is a maestro up there when we need to get video and signals in and out of the building. So thank you, Justin. Uh, Rebecca was born last week, or sorry, um, Graceland was born last week, November 28th, six pounds, four ounces. Her brothers, Brendan, and Jaden are very happy to have a baby sister. So congratulations to the whole family. And working in feeds is not easy. It is not easy. It's not an easy job. They do a great job. Okay, last word on weather before we go, Christy. Sure. So if, if you can work from home tomorrow, I recommend doing that. We do have a risk of freezing rain and light flurries that will develop through the morning hours. So it could be a little bit slippery. All right. We've been warned. Take it easy out there, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow.